0: Holy Father in heaven, glory, honor, adoration and praise be unto your holy name for your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness and your long-suffering towards us. We also thank you for the privilege you've given to us to be among the living today. For only the living can hope for your truth and only the living can praise you. We ask, Lord, that the life you have given to us shall indeed be used to bring glory and praise to your holy name we ask father that to this end you will consecrate us to your service as we go through the words of the devotion this morning may they be spirit and power and life to us may they inspire our hearts and our minds to live for you grant us of your holy spirit lord that we may be able to comprehend your words and put your words in our mouth that we may speak blessings to all who would listen. Thank you, Lord, for hearing. Thank you for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling April 16 Training the Thoughts Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of jesus christ 1 peter chapter 1 verse 13 many need to make a decided change in the tenor of their thoughts and actions if they would please jesus the thoughts must be trained gird up the loins of the mind that it shall work in the right direction and after the order of well-formed plans. Then every step is one in advance and no effort or time is lost in following vague ideas and random plans. We must consider the aim and object of life and ever keep worthy purposes in view. every day. The thoughts should be trained and kept to the point as the compass to the pole. Everyone should have his aims and purposes and then make every thought and action of that character to accomplish that which he proposes. The thoughts must be controlled. There must be a fixedness of purpose to carry out that which you shall undertake no one but yourself can control your thoughts. In the struggle to reach the highest standard, success or failure will depend much upon the character and the manner in which the thoughts are disciplined. If the thoughts are well girded, as God directs they shall be each day, they will be upon those subjects that will help us to greater devotion. If the thoughts are right, then, as a result, the words will be right. The actions will be of that character to bring gladness and comfort and rest to souls. Those who move without thoughtful consideration move unwisely. They make fitful efforts, strike out here and there, catch at this and that but it amounts to nothing. They resemble the vine. Its tendrils untrained and left to struggle out in every direction will fasten upon any rubbish within their reach, but before the vine can be of any use, these tendrils must be broken off from the things they have grasped and trained to entwine about those things which will make them graceful and well formed Amen The title of our devotion is Training the Thoughts Our key text is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 which says Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This passage is a passage that not many understand very well, but I would, by the grace of God, try to make us understand what God is saying. Remember, the topic is training the thoughts. The purpose of this devotion will be for us to understand how to train the thoughts this passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 is telling us gird up the loins of your mind. What does it mean the loins of the mind? The loins here is referring to your pubic region. That is the meaning of loins. That is the reproductive organs. The loins of the mind then would mean if you, in reality, this is a euphemism now. In reality, if you gird up your loins—that is, you ensure that you cover your pubic region, don't allow your trouser or your whatever you are wearing to fall off, so that your pubic region is exposed. You don't expose your nakedness. Don't allow your nakedness to show. That's the actual meaning of girding up your loins. That is, make your belt tight so that your garment doesn't fall off, and your shame will be revealed to everyone when we hear get up the loins of the mind that is do not allow your thoughts to bring you to shame don't allow it to flow in any and every direction don't allow it to run riot and just think on anything it wants to think about remember what we read in the devotion yesterday in the book of proverbs chapter 29 verse 15 it says the rod and reproof give wisdom But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame." The child left to himself is like the thoughts or the mind left to itself without control. What will it do? It will bring you to shame just as a child that is not trained. If you do not train a child, they would naturally go in a direction that is not good. The Bible tells us, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction Will drive it far from him. Proverbs chapter twenty-two verse fifteen, and I will tell you, foolishness is bound in the heart and mind of man. Unless the mind is well trained, it will move in a direction of foolishness. Except the loins of the mind is girded. Except we intentionally train the mind and make it sober the mind will naturally run in a chain or in a direction or channel that is foolish, that is shameful, that will bring us into sin. That is why the Lord is telling us today we need to train our thoughts. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the salvation that shall be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ so how do we train the thoughts how do we achieve the girding up of the loins of our mind so that it does not run into any and every channel and run riot and bring us into sin that's what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about it in two directions how to train the mind so that it does not go into sin and how to train the mind so that it can achieve a purpose many people wants to achieve something it may not be victory of us in anything at all you see something and you say i need to do this thing but you never get it accomplished it is a problem of the mind and that's basically what i'll talk of first before we go into talking about how to train the mind so that it can overcome sin the first thing we need to achieve is to know the aim and purpose of life severally i have said that The aim and purpose of life is not something that is left for you to choose for yourself. Your destiny is not something you say, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. Another person says, this is what I want to do with my life. No. He who created us already gave us an aim and a purpose in life. He had a plan. And if you choose another aim and purpose for yourself, you are making a mistake. And why is that so? Because he who created us had an aim and purpose before making us. Therefore, he made us to achieve a purpose. For example, if I make an equipment, for example, maybe a piano, the aim and purpose of that piano is so that it can produce good music. But somebody says, okay, I want to use this piano to produce fire so that I can cook. Is that the reason that piano was made for? No. You are directing it into a place that it wasn't made for that's not the aim and purpose of the piano the piano is not going to choose for itself okay i'm a piano but i don't want to make music this is what i want to do and that's what i'm saying you also are not supposed to do the same thing and say okay i'm a human being but this is what i want to do you have to understand the purpose for which you were made and try to fulfill that purpose we have a creator just as the piano had its creator the piano was made by its creator to do something. We also were made for a purpose, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and God said, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. This is the purpose of man, to reflect the image and glory and character of God. Man's purpose and aim in life is just one, to reflect the image and purpose and and, and glory of God. Now, the next question is, what does this mean? What is the image of God? The image, the glory of God is His character. And that is why the character of God is revealed in His law which He gave to us. That is His will, Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do Thy will, O my God, yea Thy law is within my heart. And that is why Jesus struggled between His will and God's will. What is the will of God? The will of God is His law. So when you see yourself going for another purpose different from the law of God, you are not doing the right thing. You have to bring yourself back to fulfill your purpose. Realize I have one aim in life, one purpose and that is to do the will of God. What is the will of God? His law. Therefore we can say that the purpose of of man is found in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and give and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. If man would fear God and keep His commandments, he would be fulfilling that purpose because in keeping the commandments of God, He is making, He is reflecting the image of God. He is bringing out in Himself the likeness of God, the glory of God. When we Reflect or keep the commandments of God, so first thing, have one aim and purpose, and that purpose is not supposed to be different for all of us. All humans have one aim and one purpose, and that is to reflect the image, the likeness, and the glory of god second, secondly, within this purpose, man can have other purposes, yes, we have just one purpose to be in the image and likeness of god but within that god has told us other things that can help us to do that so when we have this aim and purpose we ask ourselves what are the things that i'm engaging in and how does this thing help me to achieve this purpose that's how we make decisions in life so you have to allow your mind to go in that direction since this is the purpose that i have in life your mind is to be trained To go in directions to help you achieve that purpose that means propose to do and accomplish that which you have proposed which you have said is the aim of your life since this is my aim then I propose that is I decide that everything I would do I will first of all ask myself how does this thing help me to achieve my purpose. So my thoughts will be in that direction. Any thought that is coming to my mind that I cannot see how is going to help me to achieve my one aim and purpose in life, I have to ensure that that thought doesn't dwell in my mind for a second, I discard it. But things that will help me achieve that purpose, I will allow. That is why we looked at the memory yesterday the memory is the bank and treasury of our mind whatever we store there is the subject matter for thoughts in order to train our thoughts the memory is very important we must store the memory with things that helps us to achieve our aim and purpose what does one who wants to reflect the image of god has to do with watching movies what does one who wants to reflect the image and glory of god has to do with going to sports how does that help you reflect the image and glory of god when you see that doesn't help you for your aim and purpose discard any serious person has that aim and purpose in life any successful person in any line of business or work in this life does the same thing you don't see them fritter and waste their time in things that does not profit in life successful people do the same thing This is my aim and this is my purpose and I would only focus my mind on things that will help me to achieve my aim and purpose. Directing your mind and your time to other things shows you are serious and makes you not to achieve what you want to achieve. Focused people are people who achieve what they want to achieve, so you must be focused. Allow your mind to dwell on only things that will help you achieve your purpose. So, I will allow my mind to dwell on the Word of God because it is the Word of God that will bring me into the image of God. Psalm, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us that all Scripture is given for us, to us for what purpose now? For instruction, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in righteousness, that the man of God may be... Perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work and good work, and made perfect. That is what the Scripture is given to us for. So, since I see that the Scripture is given to me, so that I can be formed in the image of God, thoroughly furnished to all good works, to reflect the image of God, to bring salvation to me. Therefore. I should let my mind dwell on the Word of God, store it with the Word of God, then later my thoughts can come back to ruminate on what I have stored in my mind. The Holy Spirit can then make my imagination to dwell on the things that I have stored and even create more graphic imagery about that thing that will help my thoughts to be pure. So that my thoughts will not go in the wrong direction like we said yesterday you are a function your thoughts are a function of your memory your imagination will not create images that it has not seen before through the memory if you want to help your imagination to give to give you good thoughts then store good things in your memory and the, the imagination goes to that treasury of your memory brings things out of there and then It amplifies it. It develops on it. It doesn't just bring you the exact memory. You find yourself many times. For example, if you've done evil before, you find yourself creating that. If you enjoyed it, you create that memory of that evil again in your mind. And you don't just stop there. You find yourself adding more to it. You find yourself developing on it, amplifying it, modifying it, changing it in this direction to make yourself feel better about that evil. Now, now, the same thing happens with good. If you read good things, read the story of the Reformers, read the story of the Patriarchs and the Prophets, read the story of the of the Christians of past ages of Jesus Christ, what does your mind do with that? Later on, you can have good thoughts. You amplify it. You modify it. You meditate on it. You think about it. You wonder on it. You dwell on it you chew on it, the mind now has good subject matter to help it achieve its aim and purpose. This is how to train the mind. Training the mind has a lot to do with what we are feeding the mind. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. If you want the flesh to fulfill its lusts, you will dwell on your mind on things that the flesh loves. But if you don't want the flesh to fulfill its lusts, dwell on things that the mind can dwell upon, the spirit can feed upon that is the one way to train the mind then talking about achieving things in life like I've already said focused people people who are successful in this life that is what they do you don't start to dwell on things that will not help you to achieve your purpose your purpose we've said is one but within life God has told us six days shall thou labor and do all your work but the seven days the Sabbath of the Lord God has told us to work for six days how then do you train your mind to do that because this working is part of reflecting the image of god he was the first person that walked six days if you're not working six days are you reflecting the image of god are you in his image and likeness no you are not because the image and likeness of god is that he walks he walks six days and rests the seventh day. You also should walk six days and rest the seventh day. But if you do not train your mind, if you are the type who just picks up this and drop this and picks up that and drop, it, you will not be able to achieve anything. God did not just walk and achieve nothing. And after the first day, everything was still nonsense. After every day, his work was very good. Second day and the end, very good. So we must not walk in a haphazard manner. God walked in an orderly manner. He was a person of disp- order, orderliness, thoroughness, and dispatch. Every work he did, he put he, there was orderliness in it. You see, from the first day to the sixth day, there was an aim and purpose. The aim and purpose of those things that were created was for man. Before bringing man into existence, he followed an order. Firstly, this is what is needed, he did it on the first day. Second day, this is what is needed, he put that in place to the third day, he put everything in place. Then, when everything was put in place, the final thing was brought into existence which is man. He did not create man first, then later created land and water and all that. no, no, no. Everything needed to be in place, that shows us orderliness in work. So your thoughts must go in direction of orderliness. Secondly, there was thoroughness. Thoroughness means finishing. He does everything thoroughly and ensures that they are very good. You do not leave things half half done in a haphazard manner. He finished his work thoroughly and ensured that the finishing was good. That is dispatch now. Finishing the work. So we should learn from God that in any labor we pick in this life, we should not take too many things at a time. Pick only what you can do at a time. Don't take too many things. I'd like to read something for us now to understand that. Successful people. Reading from letter Three, eighteen seventy-seven. Reading from paragraph 6, it says, The faithful discharge of life's duties, whatever your position, calls for a wise improvement of all the talents and abilities that God has given you guard against being always hurried, yet accomplishing nothing worthy of the effort. These fruitless efforts are often caused by a failure to do the work at the proper time. Whatever is neglected at the time when it should be performed, whether in secular or in religious things, is rarely done well. Many appear to labor diligently every hour in the day and yet produce no results to correspond with their efforts. A man on his deathbed once exclaimed, I have wasted life in laboriously doing nothing. Be careful not to fritter away your time upon trifles and then fail to carry out your undertakings that are of real account. The church and the world need calm, well-balanced men. To run well for a season is not enough. A steadfast adherence to a purpose is necessary in order to secure the end. A distinguished man once was asked how it was possible for him to accomplish such a vast amount of business. His answer was, I do one thing at a time. General Washington was remarkable for the order and regularity with which he attended to the vast affairs entrusted to his care. Every paper had its date and its place. No time was lost in looking up what had been misplaced, O Lord. Henry Martin, both as a man and a missionary, depended not a little upon his habits of regularity. To such an extent did he carry these that he was known in the university as the student who never wasted an hour. Henry Martin rose to great eminence as a scholar and as a Christian. How many youth who might have become men of usefulness and power have failed because in early life, they contracted habits of indecision which followed them through life to cripple all their efforts. Now and then, they are filled with sudden zeal to do some great thing, but they leave their work half finished and it comes to nothing. Patient continuance in well doing is indispensable to success. End of quote. That is what happens when we allow our thoughts to catch this and catch that. We will start one thing, we will not finish it, and then we will start another thing, we will not finish it, and then the next thing, something else catches our attention and we go to that one. You are not, your, your thought is not well balanced. You need to think properly before engaging in anything. Our high calling, page. 112 paragraph 5 Those who move without thoughtful consideration move unwisely. They make fitful efforts, strike out here and there, catch at this and that, but it amounts to nothing. Laboriously, end of quote by the way, laboriously doing nothing, walking, 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 but achieving nothing. Many missionaries do the same thing. Go and preach to people. You've not finished working on this person. The next thing you go to another person. You stay two weeks in one place. The work is not done. And then you are running to another place. And claiming you are doing missionary work. Have you accomplished the work? Did you finish the work? Did you bring them into a saving relationship with Jesus? Or you just preached and that's all. And you went your way. That is laboriously doing nothing. You are telling yourself you are doing something. But show me the results. Where is the result? You have to do your work and finish it. It says, they resemble the vine, its tendrils, untrained and left to struggle out in every direction, will fasten upon any rubbish within their reach. But before the vine can be of any use, these tendrils must be broken off from the things they have grasped and trained to entwine about those things which will make them graceful and well-formed so god is telling us today if we must achieve the purpose for which he created us we must not allow other things to distract us focus on one thing and which is i want to reflect the image of god and then find out let your thoughts say okay how does this thing help me to achieve that if it doesn't help you if you cannot see how it helps you you discard Some people just make decisions for selfish purposes. Oh, I want to get married. Have you seen how marriage helps you to reflect the image of God for your purpose in life? If you have not seen it and you are engaging in it, you are distracting yourself. And then after marrying, oh, I want to have children. Have you found out how having children can help you in your aim and purpose in life? I want to study this. Have you found out how that thing will help you to achieve your aim and purpose in life, which is to reflect the image of God? Are you allowing things to distract you from your one purpose? I want to study that. I want to achieve this. I want to do this business. Have you found out in your heart, do you know, do you have an aim to see how that thing is going to help you achieve your aim and purpose in life? I want to have money. But when it's time to use that money to achieve your aim, which is to bring souls to Christ and to help you to make your calling and election sure you do not spend it is that you want to spend it on building houses and enjoying yourself and you say yes that you are fulfilling your aim and purpose in life no you are not engage in work yes but ensure that you know how that thing is going to help you achieve your aim and purpose. And when you fix, when you understand that, let your mind be fixed. Don't let it go in areas that will not help you to achieve your purpose. Let it dwell on only those things that will help you achieve your aim and purpose in life. Train your mind to think right thoughts, to only go in directions that will help you to achieve your aim and purpose. Take one thing at a time. Do not go in this and that. No matter how good those things are. Oh, medical missionary work, you jump into it. Oh, sanitarium, I jump into it. No, preaching, I jump. Where are you? You will never achieve anything if you go that way. Pick one thing. Do it well. Better to pick one thing and do it well than to pick so many things and never achieve anything. Pick one thing and do it well. And make sure that you have one fixed direction in life. Paul was a missionary and a worker at the same time walking to feed himself and then doing the missionary work which was his main work and we can also follow that direction you don't see him doing a tent make and being this and being that and being that one thing at a time may the lord help us to learn to train our thoughts so that we can use it to help ourselves to achieve our aim and purpose in life which is to reflect the image and glory of god amen
1: man has the power to regulate and control the walkings of the mind and give direction to the currents of his thoughts. But these require greater effort than we can make in our own strength. We must stay our minds on God if we would have right thoughts and proper subjects for meditation. Now you see there's a battle here for the mind to con- to be controlled, for the mind to be stayed on God, if we will have right thoughts and proper subjects for meditation. No effort should be spared to establish right habits of study. And sometimes when we want to read or study or meditate, the mind will run from one point, from one pole, straight to the other. If the mind wanders, bring it back, if the intellectual and moral tastes have been perverted by overwrought and exciting tales of fiction, so that there is a disinclination to apply the mind, there is a battle to be fought to overcome this habit. See, sometimes we've been accustomed to reading fictitious novels and story books and tales, and so when we come to read the word. The mind will be running up and down. A love for fictitious reading should be overcome at once. Rigid rules should be enforced to hold the mind in the proper channels. I'll read now. I say I have some knowledge of Satan's manner of walkings and know how well he succeeds in it. He has caused a paralysis to come upon the minds of parents and they are slow to suspect evil habits in their children. Some of these youths profess to be Christians and the parents sleep on, fearing no danger, while their children are wrecking both body and mind. It is the special work of Satan in these last days to take possession of the minds of youth to corrupt the thoughts and inflame the passions, for he knows that by so doing he can lead to impure actions, moral pollutions, and then all the noble faculties of the mind will become debased, and he can control them to suit his own purposes. All are free moral agents, and as such, they must train their thoughts to run in the right channel. The first work of those who reform is to purify the imagination. Our meditation should be such as will elevate the mind. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good, report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things philippians to Here is there is a wide field in which the mind can safely range if satan seeks to turn it to low and sensual things bring it back when corrupt imaginations corrupt imaginings seek to gain possession of your mind flee to the throne of grace and pray for strength from heaven. By the grace of Christ, it is possible for us to reject impure thoughts. Jesus will attract the mind and purify the thoughts and cleanse the heart from every secret sin. The weapons of our warfare are no kennel, but mighty true God, casting down imaginations and every th- high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5 A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. In other words, what you store in your heart is what you bring. If you store the words of Christ, good treasure, the scriptures you will bring forth good treasure the scriptures if you store evil things pornography and sensual reading you bring forth those things again to understand this matter aright we must remember that our hearts are naturally depraved and we are unable of ourselves to pursue a right cause it is only by the grace of god combined with the most earnest efforts on our part That we can gain the victory. All are free moral agents. So we must fight. This is going to be a, a heavy fight. Our meditation should be of that nature. That will elevate our minds. And make Jesus and heaven the subject of our thoughts. We must bring down imaginations. Everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. We must keep our mind stayed upon Christ we are not to be content with practicing ourselves learning to do vice the knowledge of vice say so they are not content with practicing themselves the vice they have learned they are hurried by the devil to whisper their evil communication to other minds in other words this this is what um children kids youths that have learned these things and they are sharing the knowledge teaching others let me read he said in the strength of God the imagination can be restricted to dwell upon things which are pure and heavenly some young persons who have knowledge in the vile practices of the world seek to awaken the curiosity of other inquisitive minds and impart to them that secret knowledge which ignorance of will be bliss. in other words, it's better not to know them if you ignore, if you're ignorant of them, then it will be better. See but they are seeking to spread awoken curiosity of other inquisitive minds. they are not content with practicing themselves the vice they have learned like masturbation now is one that is on the rise. They are hurried on by the devil to whisper their evil communications to other minds, to corrupt their good manners. And unless the youth have fixed religious principles, they will be corrupted. A heavy penalty will rest upon those who suffered Satan to use them as mediums to lead astray and corrupt the minds of others. A heavy course rested upon the serpent in Eden because he was the medium Satan used to tempt our first parents to transgress. Now here's a serious warning. And whoever yields themselves to subvert others, a heavy course from God will follow them and although those who permit themselves to be led astray and learn vile habits will suffer for their sins yet those guilty of instructing them will also suffer for their own sins and the sins they led others to commit it were better for such if they had never been born this is the problem now leading teaching vice, we've been called to abstain from those things and dwell our minds on things above. Heavenly things should be the, the theme of our communication, the theme of our thoughts. There are, in the Christian faith, subjects upon which everyone should accustom his mind to dwell. The love of Jesus, which Passeth knowledge, O oh, love so passive knowledge, O oh, grace so full and free, his sufferings for the fallen race, his work of mediation in our behalf, and his exalted glory, these are the mysteries into which angels desire to look. Heavenly beings find in these themes enough to attract and engage their deepest thoughts. And shall we, who are so intensely concerned, manifest less interest than the angels in the wonders of redeeming love? See, when Jesus Christ was born, the Jews, they have sung his name in their praises and all their temple rites. Everything they do, he was the center of their economy. But when he was born, they did not even notice. They, They failed to realize that he had been born. It was a wise man who came and called their attention let me read from the desire of ages i'll read from the desire of ages the account in page 62 is that the priests and the elders of jerusalem were not as ignorant concerning the birth of christ as they pretended the report of the angels visit to the shepherds had been brought to jerusalem but the rabbis had treated it as unworthy of their notice they themselves might have found Jesus and might have been ready to lead the Magi to this birthplace. But instead of these, the wise men came to call their attention to the birth of the Messiah. Where is he that is born King of the Jews? They said, for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now pride and envy closed the door against the light, if the reports brought by the shepherds and the wise men were created, they would place the priests and rabbis in a most unenviable position, Disproving their claim to be the exponents of the truth of God. These learned teachers would not stoop to be instructed by those whom they termed heathen. It could not be, they said, that God had passed them by to communicate these with these ignorant shepherds or uncircumcised gentiles. They determined to show their contempt for the report that were exciting King Herod and all Jerusalem. They would not even go to Bethlehem to see whether these things were so, and they led the people to regard the interest in Jesus as a fanatical excitement. Here began the rejection of Christ by the priests and rabbis from these points their pride and stubbornness grew into a subtle hatred of the savior how does that apply to us you see it is step by step by rejecting by refusing to stop christ's word it is invariably in direct proportion as to say that we reject the person in the person of christ in other words he cannot be separated from his word if we have no time to study his word, to store up the mind with his word, will be in the same position to act as the Jews, the the leaders and the rabbis, as the religious leaders acted in the days when the wise men came. So we who claim that we want to go to heaven, it is the theme. We talked about it every time, but we're not making... We're not taking the steps, the necessary steps to make the progress towards this um, desire of all. So I pray that we be not in the same position where it will be said that we talk about heaven, but we don't practice to store up the minds with heavenly things. Heaven should be the theme of our conversation, yes. Christ should be the theme of our meditation. Yes, we must practice how to stay the mind, to preoccupy the mind with heavenly things. All those trash, remove them. See, it will be harder for us to keep our mind stayed on Christ if we keep adding garbage upon garbage into the mind. The mind should be guarded. We've guarded, see, guard, the mind should be soberly guarded. The avenues to the soul should be soberly, constructively guarded. And that's, and that's the only way we can make concrete steps. We can take concrete steps, make concrete measures to block all the, in, the inroads of the enemy so that our minds will be filled, preoccupied with the word of God. May this be our experience in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, loving Father, for giving us this direction. Thank you, Lord, for channeling channeling our minds so that we can train our thoughts. Lord, we come to you this moment. We have memories that are in our minds that are helping or making our thoughts to go in the wrong direction. Over the years, the devil and even ourselves have aided him to make our minds corrupted, to make our thoughts impure. Lord, your word has said that your word the weapons of our warfare can cast down these imagination that exalts themselves against the knowledge of God. For all who are listening now and for all of us here we pray. Lord, fulfill that promise in our lives. Grant to us pure thoughts. Help us, Lord, to dwell on novel and innovating things, the things that will give good that are of good report of virtue. O oh, Lord, please. We struggle with these things because of our past, because of the memories that have been stored in our head for a long time. But we believe that you can help us to purify our minds, to renew our minds, to make it like the mind of Christ. Lord, as we make efforts on our own part to do what is right, Lord, please bring us to a place where we have that mind of Christ, where our thoughts are trained, where our thoughts are not our enemy, but our friend. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and answering.